Hello, and welcome to the Business Behind Small Business, the show that reminds you that just because you own a business doesn't mean you are a business owner. In each episode, we will discuss common issues small businesses face and offer tips and advice from the perspectives of two business owners, one that is built to sell and one that is built to inherit. We are your hosts, Savannah Stone and Tiffany Kao. There's a lot of business behind small business, so let's get to it. In a business is a wonderful thing. With that growth comes changes, but what do those changes look like to you? For some business owners, it means they have to work 70 hours, toil away all day and night, be the all of the things to all of the people. Doesn't that sound fun? Isn't that what you always hoped owning a business would be like? I'm going to venture to say no, you did not want this. You do not want to own a business like this, but how can you avoid this? Well, today we're going to discuss who you should hire, when, and why. What purpose do key personnel serve, and how would you know when you need them? Before we begin, please note our disclaimer. This is available in both our show notes and on our website, and should be referred to before and or after this podcast. It is not uncommon for business owners to realize at some point in the entrepreneur journey that they inadvertently created a job for themselves in their own business. And now their boss is a relentless and persistent individual or fill in the blank who doesn't give them a day off and expects them to push harder, work harder and be better. So now you have no vacation days, mounting responsibilities and effectively making pennies on the dollar when you consider how much you're earning versus the time and brain power you're pouring into the business. Sounds familiar? Like I said, it is not uncommon, but the situation tends to sneak up more often on new and newish business owners than those who have been business in a while or have been on or are on their second and third round of companies. Now, I want to point out the fact that I said it is not uncommon for business owners, new or experienced. So even if you are experienced, it doesn't mean that you don't find yourself in this position where you've created a job for yourself. But the difference is that if you are experienced, you know you are filling a temporary role and you have a plan to replace yourself in due time. Whereas if you're a little newer or newish at building a business, sometimes that feels like you fell into a dark, dark well and you are still feeling for the walls. So if you are somebody who is currently on the bottom of that well, not to worry, there is definitely a way out. So let's start with how you got there, which will lend itself to how you will get out of there. From personal experience, when I first started my new business, I did what probably so many business owners do, which is we zone in and we focus on making money, things like how to find new customers and service them or get them to buy our product, which means We're really spending all our time thinking about how to market ourselves, how to get that sales meeting, and ultimately how to close a paying customer. Now, we might also deal with logistical stuff like customer contracts, software platforms, or just software subscriptions that you need, such as social media accounts, or hopefully some kind of accounting software to keep your books. But then what? Well, it's simply rinse and repeat, right? And because of that, before you know it, 
You are the one doing the sales. You are the one doing the marketing. You are the one servicing all the clients. You're also customer service and you're taking care of your whole back office, like paying the bills and if needed, invoicing your customers and keeping your own books. Okay, so now what? No idea. Because at this point, it really is a game of survival and crisis to get to that first benchmark, which is to have paying customers. So oftentimes we really don't see beyond that point because we're so worried about just getting to that point. And this is what happens. And this is why you find yourself creating a job for you in your own business. Now to prevent this for yourself and uh, or to find your way out of it, it's not easy, but I assure you it is definitely worth taxing your brain for. So what I'm about to tell you is one approach that honestly I developed for myself and it worked for me and maybe it'll work for you. This is a very high level version to give you an idea of the method since we don't plan on holding you up for an everlasting episode. So if you find that you want to learn more, go ahead and send us an email or leave us a comment and we'll find a way to get more information to you. Now, listen up. So step one, start with being really clear about what you want your business to be. Is it a lifestyle business where you are the superstar of your company because you love doing the work, but also means that if you don't work, your business doesn't make money or grow in revenue? Is it a passive business where you want to put in a lot of work up front and set up the right marketing, the right systems, the right processes, so that you only need to work that four hours a week, if any at all? Or is it a personal brand business where you accumulate followers using content marketing and you learn through affiliate and you earn money rather through affiliate marketing and e-courses? Or is it an enterprise where you want to hire employees and you become the CEO or president or ultimately simply a member of its board? How much revenue do you hope to make? Do you plan on holding on to the business or do you plan on selling it? These questions represent only a tiny, tiny sample of the types of businesses open to you. So the question is, what kind of company are you wanting to build? Now, there's no wrong answer, which is the beauty of building a business. It can be anything you want to be. Now, business strategies will help ensure that you make money, but the clarity of the form, shape, and direction of your business that comes from you and you alone as the creator of this company that marries both your desires and your goals will ensure that you'll be able to sidestep or quickly get yourself out of the pitfall of feeling that you created a job for you within your own business. All right, step number two. Once you're clear as to what type of business you want to build, you can start to visualize the roles and positions you need to build it. Start with the end in mind. So what is the ideal business? How does your company interact with your customers? Is it a team? Is it a dedicated account manager? Is it a virtual admin? How do you want to bring in your sales? Is it just digital marketing? Are you going to do cold calling? Or do you want people to do cold calling? Is it heavily um, done through referrals and relationships? And then who's taking care of the back office? Who's doing HR? Who's doing the bookkeeping? And then lastly, what do you want to be doing and where do you fit in this? Are you the rainmaker, meaning that you're bringing in all the sales, or do you just want to oversee operations? The key is you want to get to a point where you can actually sketch out an organizational chart for what your future company will look like and how the roles work together. Now, step number three after this is do a reality check. So when you do step one and two, don't, you know, be, be real with yourself. Don't visualize yourself in a company being a CEO when what you really love doing is the technical work. Don't think that you'll enjoy doing the back office roles if you're more of a larger picture person and don't enjoy doing the detailed routine and what probably will feel like mundane work to you, even if it is essential work. You have to be honest with yourself. Make sure you take a step back 
and review your org chart for your future company to make sure that it actually supports the business you want to build. And it's okay if you find yourself revising your org chart from time to time. In fact, I do it quite often and many times over before I settle in on one, one thing. Step number four, simplify your org chart now to where you believe your company can be next year on the way to building to your ideal future, right? Um, the reason I say that you only want to look at next year is because, I mean, come on, like 12 months is a lot to plan for. <laughs> and to be quite honest, we all know that once you start a plan, um, most of us always tweak our business plan as we go along. So I myself find that it's not really helpful to do multiple years just because you're probably going to change something in the next three to six months as you get into it. So concentrate on the next year and decide if the roles that you have down are either full-time or not. You know, you decide if you also want to combine the roles to one person. And if it's realistic to find a person, employee or 1099 or company or otherwise to fill that role. Now, remember, if you create a unicorn position in your company, meaning that you're combining roles that you typically are going to find people to fill to be able to do, then you're really limiting your pool of candidates to uh, fulfill that role. So make sure that you take a listen to our episode, our last episode, rather, I believe, where we're, we're talking, to, we're talking uh, more about the unicorns of a company or how you're recruiting, or if you're recruiting unicorns, rather. <laughs> Rainbow unicorns. Rainbow unicorns, as you call it. That's right. Yes. Rainbow unicorns. All right. So second to last step, step number five. Now that you have your organizational chart and you've decided what the roles are, whether or not they're full-time, part-time, and the person that you want to lead those kind of roles, now you want to attach a pay to each of the roles. Now, when you do this, make sure that you're paying market rate. While I am sure you are able to negotiate down, uh, let's be realistic, right? Um, that adage that you hear, you get what you pay for, still holds true. People don't work for $10 an hour anymore, just so you know sure that's also below minimum wage in some places. <laughs> and then the last step is to figure out the revenue you need to support the simplified org chart and adjust as needed. But always make sure that your org chart always aligns with the overall future vision and goal of your company. So this exercise may help you identify not only the roles you need in your company, but also the cost and the necessary revenue to support that structure. Then from this point, you can decide how you want to fill the roles. What are the key positions now that you have the visual chart in front of you? And can you afford it? Uh, yeah. This helps to have the money to actually afford to pay for the work. Right. Um, and if not, what are your alternatives? Do it yourself? Do you want to do it yourself? If you don't want to do it yourself, do you hire or do you outsource? Now, if you are a new or newish business owner, you may find yourself hitting a lot of walls when you're trying to go through this exercise. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's simply due to basically a lot of experience, right? It's hard for you to see something you probably have never done yourself before. So this is a great time for you to talk to somebody in your support network or lean on somebody else's experiences that can really help you kind of work your way around some of these um, mental blocks or vision blocks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. And that's where, um, that's something that we're going to talk about in a future episode. Uh, having a mentor can help out tremendously. And this is a situation in which I think a mentor could, could really help. I agree. Mm. And I'd like to think uh, when you know, you know, but unfortunately I've come across enough business owners that run themselves into the ground to know that not everyone knows when it's time to hire key persons. I think it's safe to say we all know when to hire personnel. Your business grows, you hire an employee, and that's pretty simple, right? But the core of your business is your key personnel. 
um, E being the key word. <laughs> um, imagine your employees to be the wheels on your car, but the key personnel are the axles. They hold the staff together, the company together, and together they move your business forward. If you can't identify when you need these persons on your staff, perhaps you should do some internal searching. No, really, you need to identify what you do in a day, what you spend the most time on, and then identify if that's really the best use of your time. One of the best things to look at and what everyone says you should do is look at how your customers are being taken care of. Are they feeling the love or are you stretched so thin that you can't check in on them or the quality of service they are receiving? If this is the case, it's time to hire a key person. This can be the role of account manager, customer relations, or another key role you have to focus on the client experience. Now, on the other side of that are the employees. What's your turnover rate? Are your employees feeling a strong sense of culture in your company? If not, and if their quality of work is also failing because of it, it might be time to hire an office manager or a supervisor, maybe a superintendent. Next, pay attention to your accounts receivable. Does it seem to take people a very long time to pay? Maybe it's become difficult to keep track of who's overdue, who hasn't been billed, who stopped paying altogether. Uh, consider a controller, an accountant, or an account manager. They'll help you make sure you get paid and paid on time. I'll also be helping you with budgeting as well. Uh, lastly, and this is my favorite one, when you start feeling like you can't get even 5% of what you need to do in the office because you're in constant reaction mode, or you have conversations and make promises you can't follow through on, or someone shows interest in your service and you're always falling behind on sending contracts or agreements, or in some cases receipts, it's time you hire an office manager. I'd venture to say that most businesses or rather business owners consider this the least important position when in reality, it's the strongest pillar holding your company up. Good office management is key to the type of culture your company has as well. Uh, the growth of a company, it comes in stages. Most often, often, a business starts with one or at least under five persons involved. You start to hire a staff and then the key personnel. However, your company is gonna to get to a point where you're gonna begin needing C-suite executives, meaning CFO, CEO, CTO, et cetera. Needing these people has less to do with the size of your company and more to do with the complexity. I mean, it helps, they, they kind of go hand in hand, but- They don't um, always go hand in hand, you're absolutely right. Yeah, they always go hand in hand, but sometimes complexity overrules the size of the company. That is true. So who do you hire first? Traditionally, the owners, the CEO, and most often will hire a fractional CFO or contracted CFO, you know, as they're growing until they have a full-time uh, CFO position available. But these days, I'm finding that more people are entrusting their accountants or CPAs with that role until they get to a place where they can have a um, established CFO role. And the CEO will tend to supervise the flow. Uh, but well, remote companies or companies that do have a considerable amount of remote uh, staff are hiring CTOs or CIOs to manage IT staff, as well as IT related assets like software and hardware. They also create strategic plans as it relates to the computer systems and the organization's network. Some will hire CMOs to 
encapsulate their marketing efforts, customer outreach, social media messages, and branding. You determine who you need on your staff and your company's weaknesses are going to give you the answer to what you need to support your growth. If you're not sure what you need and when, you might want to hire an integrator or a strategist to help you realize your vision. Let's talk about uh, what our perspectives are on how you should hire, what, what steps you should take, and what, what process you should follow. Should you be hiring from top down or should you be hiring, I guess, bottom up? So <laughs> bottoms up. Uh, should you start? So to um, elaborate on that, what I mean is, would it make more sense to hire employees first and then managers and supervisors and then CEOs or CFOs or what have you? Or would it make more sense to hire C-suite first and foremost and then managers, supervisors, and then start hiring staff? Oh, that is a hard one to answer. Uh, I think the more traditional, uh, traditional approach is always from the bottom up, I feel like. Most people do bottom yes. up. But I will say that the I could see a pitfall in that is that, you know, if you're a new business owner yourself and you're hiring somebody bottom up, which means it's probably mostly people who are a little more entry level would be my guess. Right. Or people who are looking to you for directions or looking to you for structure and you yourself haven't quite put that structure in place. I feel like those who are a little entry level, it's hard for them to contribute to help you with that structure. Right. So I feel like it adds yet another burden to you. But then again, hiring from top down, that would alleviate that because you could find somebody who is like a manager or an executive or like more experienced that can actually help you build your company and infrastructure. Um, but of course, the downside of it is they're usually a little expensive, probably more than you can afford mm -hmm. as a small business that's still building its way up. So I don't know. It's kind of like it's, it's, uh, it's kind of split. Yeah, I can see how you want might want to start with the top because you're going to need those people anyway. And it's a good idea to have those people in your space, getting to know you and your culture and your company, growing together with you and creating that uh, relationship. But I don't also subscribe to... Um, buying the minivan before the kids, before the, you know, you're dating, I guess. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one to subscribe to. I feel like that's kind of a cart before the horse situation. Oh. I do feel like you should hire people for those positions you need first, which might be staff. Mm -hmm. And then when your staff gets to a place where they need to be managed, hire the manager. And that's what I'm doing with my own company. And then you get to a place, well, okay, well now, um, now my management needs to be managed. So I'm working my way up. I feel like that works for me. And plus it also helps as a small business to, to budget for that because you're right. Those C level, of uh, the executive level costs a lot of money. Um, and not to say it's not worth it. They're worth every penny. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but when, when is it appropriate? I think one, when you start recruiting and you're putting out there that you need a C-level executives, uh, you know, forget about the salary, you know, it's going to be out the door. Right. So mm -hmm. um, I would say that the top down approach also works. Like I would say exclude the C-level executives. Cause I think as a small business, until you get to, I mean, you gotta be, 
Personally, I would say that you have to be over at least a million dollar revenue to consider having another sure. C-level executives. Now, that being said, we are not talking about tech startups here who has pre-revenue and millions of dollars to go find a C-level executive. So mm -hmm. that excludes those kind of examples. So in a kind of like a traditional like uh, business, yeah, I would say you have to be well over a million before you do that C-level. But there's nothing, I think there might be something to be said about getting that manager in place before maybe even getting employees. And the reason I say that too is that in my experience, like, and same for you, Savannah, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. we have exposures to a lot of different businesses and a lot of different business owners. And yes. um, as an owner, you, you hope everybody's self-aware, not always, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but there are particular owners where, you know, what makes them a great CEO, a great founder is because they have such a good vision and just such a big vision. But the problem is they cannot for the life of them translate that vision into operational like how to's. Yeah. Right. And so if you find yourself that type of person, right, where you're great at the motivating, grading and setting the big picture, but you really need somebody to kind of translate for you between your vision, then it might, that would be a really, I would say it would make a very strong case for you to hire somebody that's a little bit more upper level and more in a managerial level before you get to your staff, just so that you can actually create, you know, you can actually create a path for your, for your staff and employees to actually succeed because they're actually getting the instructions and the guidelines and like, you know, the how to's mm -hmm. that yeah. you yourself may, it may just not be your thing. Right. It's just not your thing to do that. Well, I mean, there, who's to say that you have to hire one before you hire the other. I mean, so in some cases, I think depending on the level of growth, you can hire both. If you at can the same afford time. it, please go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if your company is in a place where you're growing at uh, at a, an exponential speed, or the the company is becoming more and more complex, it may be time for you to not only hire staff, but to hire the personnel that will support that staff as well. So that also brings up an interesting point: is when when do you hire, right? So if you are on a growth path, this is where it gets really tricky because I feel like when you're growing, it does get a little risky, right? Because you may, if well, at least what I did was I I hired a little bit for the growth, right? So I projected and I, I, I may not have closed that sale yet, but I know I have like a growth plan. So I would hire ahead of time because the position I didn't want to be in was to have a staff that is 150% like, like 150% capacity, um, basically like, you know, over, overrun. And then I decided to go out to go hire somebody, right? Like, I feel like that's just like a fire waiting to be blown out of control. No. Oh, yeah. Totally. I've seen that practice quite time and time again in different companies. So I, I don't know how it works. I just feel like I've never seen a great example of how that actually works out. But I don't know, Savannah, have you seen like kind of the when to hire? Do you do it when somebody's like, you know, if your staff's like, you know, 80%, 90% or do you wait until it's 120 or 150%? I have to believe that if you're in business and you're in a place where you are successful enough that you've gotten to, um, you're growing only, only, a, only a, a business savvy person is going to be growing, right? Everybody else is going to be sustaining or dying. If you're growing, one would like to think that you are savvy enough to recognize when you are in need of certain positions. Um, I know that sounds harsh, but <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to think that you would know when you need certain people in certain positions at different levels or stages. However, if you don't, I think the most important person you could put into your company is likely the integrator. If you don't already have somebody as your um, bounce back, 
or somebody who is your, I guess, wingman, if you will, if you don't already have a person like that or a mentor or some someone like that, an integrator is probably a, a sing, the singular person that you should likely put into your company who's going to help you encapture uh, your vision and start realizing it, bringing mm-hmm. it to fruition. I can see that too. Yeah. And I think that's part of it too, mm-hmm. why I ended up developing that method of like developing an org chart for your future company was because I couldn't see it. Like, right. Yeah. I couldn't see what I needed. I needed to actually think through it, which was really hard because you're thinking through building something that nobody has ever seen before, including yeah. yourself. So <laughs> uh, it's definitely, it's definitely like a, uh, it's definitely a, a hard exercise to do, but I do find that when I see it on paper, like I can figure it out. It's almost like I can see it and then I can move people around or like cut people out and actually see what's in my head because it gets complex when you're trying to build a company. Yep. Um, and, and if you That's try right. to hold it all in your head and try to design it all in your head, yeah, I don't know. Something tends to fall out. At least it does in my head. But um, yeah. No, yeah, I so I think I you're right. I think you have to be clear. And I would like to think also with you that savvy owners who are growing have a wherewithal to figure that out. Um, I don't know if that's always the case because, you know, again, if you're doing something for the first time, yeah, you may just not even know that that's what you're missing, right? Yeah, but no, no, no totally. I, I, I agree with you. It, it, it's it's um, better to know ahead of time. And I still, of course, stand by my choice, which is let's not, you know, overrun your staff you decide to hire for the next one, right? And I think part of that is also you're trying to like get the most value off like from your expense of paying them, which, you know, again, mm-hmm. then, you know, flows back into, well, what kind of culture are you trying to build here? Because if that's the example you're leading mm-hmm. by, then that's probably the culture you're building. And if that's what you intend to, that's fine. If it's not, then you might want to reconsider kind of your approach to it. All right. In each episode, we like to connect a famous example to our discussion to help you relate our talking points on a more global or well-recognized scale. Sometimes we use exact examples of either famous persons or successful business owners of today or in history. And sometimes we use examples of people who inspire us and have inspired today's discussion. My famous example today is one of Brian Scudamore who is the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. So I have a story here, more of an example or inspiration rather, for those who may be in the throes of the mistake that most of us new business owners make, which is diving in head first and focusing on just surviving and then finding out later on that we built a business that we don't like or similar to that, created a job for ourselves. But in this story, Brian actually took the steps to get himself out of that position And the rest is history, so they say. His company, as of 2018, which was the date of the blog that I extracted the story from, was actually grossing a third of a billion dollars annually. Good heavens. (laughs) Ah, Not shabby. (laughs) Pretty good. (laughs) No. All right. So this is a direct uh, extract of a blog I I believe that he wrote, right? So it says in 1994, uh, he was five years into running 1-800-GOT-JUNK, and they were earning about half a million dollars in revenue. And Brian found himself not enjoying the work anymore. And that's because he spent most of his days listening to complaints. So his staff of 11 complained constantly about having to work late, about the job, about the weather, about not making enough money. No matter what it was, there was always a complaint and it was bringing him down. What he did was he ended up finding himself hiding in his office all day just to avoid his own employees. 
He'll leave paperwork out for them in the morning and then shut the door while they dispatch themselves out in the trucks. Now, he does admit that the people that he hired weren't the most clean cut and the most professional, but he blames himself mostly for where he is, or where he was, rather. He said that he wasn't giving them the culture or the vision that they need to succeed. So one day, Brian brought the whole team together and said, and I quote, guys, I've let you down. I either haven't found the right people or giving you the love and support you need to be successful. I am the one who messed up here. I made the mistake. And my sincerest apologies, but I'm letting everyone go. And he did. So in one day, he basically fired his entire crew. And all of a sudden, he found himself that he was alone and working crazy hours. Now, keep in mind, he still had a half a million dollar business. So it was still a live business. And he went from five trucks down to one truck. And he was operating his own business while trying to rebuild. So then in between hauling junk, uh, he also had to answer calls. He had to book jobs. And then he also had to recruit new staff. So in essence, he was the HR department, the junk removal department, and the cost center all in one. And doing all those jobs at once was a real challenge for him. All the extra labor reinforced the importance of getting things right the second time around. He realized that as much as he loved being an entrepreneur, he couldn't enjoy going to work every day unless he genuinely enjoyed being around the people he employed. And so he began envisioning a company that he wanted to work for. And then he rebuilt the company around that vision. All in all, it took him six months to rehire, retrain, and get the right people in place. But once he was out of the thick of it, he was able to see the difference right away. He wore a smile to work every single day, and he really started enjoying what he was doing and the people he hired he actually wanted to hang out with after work. So I'll link the blog itself in our show notes, and then also a couple of Brian's interview. It's, I mean, I find it a fascinating story that he has. And I really love it only because I relate to it so much because I almost did something pretty similar to my company in the middle of it. <laughs> now, I can't say that I had the same ending as his, grossing a company at $3 billion <laughs> annually. So clearly my destiny lies elsewhere, but I am very happy for Brian and I am okay with that. <laughs> yeah, me either. Not, no, not me either, but whatever. Um, so, Kristen Hadid, she started her ingenious company while a junior at the University of Florida in 2009. Student Made is an all-student cleaning company and employs hundreds of millennials and Gen Z. According to Inc.com, she met leadership failure right out of the gate. When 45 of her first 60 employees quit, she realized she was the reason. The way I was leading wasn't the right way, Hadid said in a 2014 talk. That's when I realized that leadership isn't a privilege to do less. Leadership is a responsibility to do more. Things are much different now, and the company she founded is known for its industry-leading employee retention rate. For cleaning companies, on average, turnover happens every two months. At Student Made, it's two and a half years, mostly because students graduate and move on. She built a culture of values, and everyone is expected to live up to them. She offered training that went beyond cleaning and dusting, teaching people to build great relationships with their customers and their fellow quote-unquote maids in order to provide the best possible experience for everyone. Hadid attributes happy customers to happy employees. She's a firm believer in the power of giving her employees purpose, freedom, ownership, and recognition as a way to engage people to do their best work. Her first TED Talk, How to Retire by 20, has received over 2 million hits. I feel like that's a leading 
misleading <laughs> title, but whatever. Um, she talks about her true passion, doing something good for other people, which explains why Student Made cleans free for cancer patients. Like a true servant leader, Hadid now spends most of her time helping other organizations all over, making a lasting, meaningful impact on people by creating environments where they can thrive. The link for this article that I pulled the information from will be in the show notes. So with each episode, we like to share either books, tools, apps, platforms, or anything we think is a great next step and connector to our discussion. So if you like our subject matter and want to learn more, you'll have a great place to start. Okay, so I have, uh, actually I have one book to actually um, suggest and then just just a suggestion. Um, so of course the one book I'm suggesting is, I, I'm pretty sure I've done this book before and people have heard about it before, is The E-Myth Revisited by M- Michael E. Gerber. Um, yes. This is actually, it's yeah. actually kind of interesting because the, the, the book that's done kind of like in a story form actually just talks about a business owner who ends up finding that she created a job for herself. Uh, so I think it's pretty, it's pretty relevant mm-hmm. to what we're speaking about today. Plus it's a quick read. It's a quick, easy read, but it's, it's great information and it's, it's a classic for a reason. Um, my other, my other um, suggestion, which is really just my advice is, is simply like take the time to sit down and really think through, you know, what your company is going to look like and who you're going to need, right? I know it is like so tempting mm-hmm. to basically focus all your time and energy on trying to get your customers and try to make money and try to have paying customers. <laughs> I get it. It helps. <laughs> it helps when money is coming in. Not that it isn't. But, you know, as business owners, you know, our responsibility is more than just the short term. There is also that long term plan. Mm-hmm. Um, in you know building a sustainable business, whether it is for yourself or maybe for employees or maybe without employees, right? Nobody says you have to have you have to have a business with employees. Like we talked about earlier, there's mm-hmm. a million ways you can run a business. You just got to build and find the right one for you. But regardless, every one of them is going right. to take some planning, and it really does help if you are mm-hmm. clear about what your vision is. And if you find yourself unable to find a clear vision, that in itself should also tell you that you probably want to seek out somebody like we had said, mentor or somebody along those lines who can ha- actually help you clarify what that vision is. Yes. So this time around, I want you to read the links we've provided in the show notes and do a simple exercise based on what we've talked about. I have about three different uh, links that will be posted. Uh, they're great articles. Uh, do some soul searching and then take a look at your budget to see what you can afford and begin hiring accordingly. Every time your company grows, you should reassess and hire accordingly. Tiffany mentioned some great methods to follow as well. So take the time to evaluate where you are, where you're going, and who you want to grow with you. Please join us for our next episode where we will discuss sole proprietor, LLC, S Corp, C Corp, what you should be and when. Please show us your support by following us on your preferred podcast platform, social media, and YouTube. We'd love for you to also share our episodes. All of our links are posted below. Until next time, mind your business behind your small business.